This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Tuesday, the 27th of April. In your Squiz today, India's COVID crisis. China shows off its military might. Another big sporting event for Australia. And a reminder to look up. This is your Squiz today. Starting today with the COVID crisis in India, Kate, and the narrative around this one really seems to be about how things change so much, given last year India enforced one of the world's strictest national lockdowns and avoided the climbing tolls that other big nations saw. This second wave, though, is a whole different story. Yeah, it sure is. Infections in India over the past week have surged to the highest level of any country in a seven-day period. They've added 2.2 million cases, which is double the number of cases in the United States during its January peak. Yesterday alone, Simone, they recorded almost 353,000 new infections and another 2,800 deaths. Of course, it's important to remember it is a country of some 1.5 billion people, but the big issue there is what its health system can handle with reports of overflowing hospitals and a shortage of oxygen. And it's a lack of preparation that Prime Minister Narendra Modi has been criticised for to help countries around the world are rallying to send supplies to India, Kate. Yeah, that's right. The UK has been sending ventilators and oxygen concentrated devices. The US will send raw materials for COVID-19 vaccines. They'll send medical equipment as well and protective gear. As for Australia, Health Minister Greg Hunt said the states would be asked what supplies and equipment they can spare at a meeting of National Cabinet later this week. Today, though, on the agenda, our National Security Committee of Cabinet will meet to decide on upgraded border restrictions with India. You might recall last week, our Prime Minister announced a 30% reduction in passenger numbers for Australians returning from India. Now reports are, Simone, a blanket ban is being considered. If that was to happen, it wouldn't be too dissimilar to what we had with China and others at the height of the pandemic last year. As for other countries in coronavirus trouble, a third state of emergency has been declared in Japan. And the reason why that's turned heads, of course, is because it's just under three months until the Tokyo Olympics is due to kick off. On Saturday, Japan recorded more than 5,500 new cases, the highest in more than three months. Prime Minister of Japan Yoshihide Suga said new restrictions would be stricter than before and stay in place until the 11th of May. Yeah, despite that surge in numbers, organisers have previously said the Games will go on. Over to the West now, and those in Western Australia's Perth and Peel region are no longer locked down. No new cases of community transmission yesterday, and that meant that that three-day snap lockdown was eased at midnight last night. It's not all quite back to pre-lockdown ways, though, with some restrictions in place for four days from this morning, like the mandatory wearing of face masks, a 20-person limit on gatherings, and capacity limits for public venues. Whilst we're here, Simone, ahead of National Cabinet this Friday, Premier of WA Mark McGowan is continuing to try and gain support from other state leaders to limit the reasons Aussies are allowed to leave the country. He is, and that's at odds with the Premier of our largest state, Gladys Berejiklian. She says determining why and which Aussie citizens should be allowed to travel overseas is not a call for the states to make. To the never-ending story that is how China is dealing with Taiwan, and the latest is that Chinese President Xi Jinping has unveiled three new warships that analysts say are aimed at sending a message to the territory. 
China's made no secret of the fact it would very much like to regain control over Taiwan and by force if necessary. So these latest additions to their military might seem to be part of doing that. What they've got, Simone, is an amphibious helicopter carrier as well as a guided missile cruiser and a nuclear-powered submarine. Now, I don't know enough about defence technology to tell you what each of those do, but the attendance of President Xi Jinping at the commissioning ceremony by all reports shows just how committed he is to develop a world-class Navy. It's something our Defence Minister Peter Dutton talked about over the weekend when he flagged that our Defence Forces are at a high level of preparedness for those sort of threats in the region. Yeah, this dispute between China and Taiwan has been running for years. We have a squish shortcut around the complicated history and Beijing's recent moves to take control over Taiwan. It's in your episode notes and we also have one on the South China Sea if you're on a roll. Both important background. The Oscars, Kate, they've happened. The red carpet gallery is in your episode notes. And now that that's out of the way, the big winner was Nomadland with three gongs. Yeah, make sure you check out the red carpet gallery. It's a good one. Nomadland won Best Picture, Best Director, Chloe Zhao, the director of that film, becoming the second woman to win that award in Oscars history. And Best Actress, Frances McDormand, took that out for the third time. She used her acceptance speech, Simone, to encourage everyone to go to the cinema, something we haven't been able to do, of course, due to COVID. She also then literally bayed to the moon like a wolf. If you see a clip of that, to clarify what that was all about was... It was a tribute to Michael Wolf Snyder, a production sound mixer who worked on the film, and he died shortly before its release. As for the best actor role, Anthony Hopkins came from the outside and won for the father. At 83 years old, he was the oldest ever person to win that award. They can't all be winners though, Kate, and someone who knows that all too well is Glenn Close. Her hunt for an Oscar continues after she missed out yet again. Eight nominations over her career and not a single win yet. But that didn't dampen her spirits. A video of her twerking has gone viral. It's brilliant and it's in your episode notes. Yeah, she enjoyed the night. Good on her. Yeah, she definitely did. Over to sport now, and gee, don't we have some events to look forward to. We've got FIFA Women's World Cup in 2023, likely the Olympics in 2032, and now the Nepal World Cup in 2027. And the winner is Sydney Simone. A New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian confirmed the news yesterday. Sydney will host the Netball World Cup in 2027. The Diamonds, our national team, have had a bit of a rough patch of late, but plenty of time between then and now to build what is a relatively young team into winners. Commonwealth Games in England next year and the World Cup in South Africa in 2023. Plenty more info about that one and all things sport in our daily sports news podcast, Sport Today. It drops at 7am each weekday. Shameless plug, Kate. You're really part of the team now, Simone. Well done. I like it. (laughs) Not sure how many more conversations I can handle about how expensive property is in Australia at the moment, Kate. So instead, let's take a trip to the tiny Sicilian town of Castaglione di Sicilia, where you can buy a home for the price of a coffee. You can, no word of a lie, but there is a catch as there is with every deal. Potential buyers have to submit a detailed plan of what kind of house they'd like and how they'd renovate it. And then a special task force will match supply with demand. And also if you're successful, the renovation needs to be done within three 
three years. Yeah, and that's because it's an idea by the mayor to try and breathe new life into the village. The population once was 14,000 in the early 1900s, and it's barely 3,000 today. I had a look at the pics, Kate, and it looks lovely. It sure does. One profile I read said that the village is perched on a rocky cliff. It looks over the breathtaking Alcantara Valley, woods, olive groves, orange orchards dot the landscape around it. I do wonder if the mayor wrote that profile. (laughs) Squiz the day, and this one actually spans a number of days, Kate, the supermoon. Yes, which means the moon is close to the earth and big, so make sure you look up for the next three nights. Also, apparently catching it rising is the way to go, so you need a clear night, an eastern view, and to settle yourself in at least five minutes before it rises. Yep, and we can't go through what time this is for everyone, but give it a quick Google if you're interested. That's me done for a few days, Kate. Claire will be back tomorrow. Yeah, she's a sucker for punishment. She's back already. She'll be up early tomorrow morning. It'll be great to have her back, Simone. Sure will. Enjoy your Tuesday. And thanks, as always, for tuning into the Squids Today podcast. message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP.